Hello all, welcome to Ryan's Fashion Rants and Raves podcast series by the Quebec government office, where we chat with fashion leaders um, across the U.S. I'm Ryan McInturff, attache for the Quebec government, and I am proud to have um, as my first ever guest, uh, Karen Alberg, editor-in-chief of MR Magazine. And I believe MR Magazine has been around since 1990. Karen will correct me if I'm wrong. So correct. Great. So please check it out, listeners, if you haven't had the opportunity to read MR Magazine. They're really on top of all of men's fashion and trends. So Karen, uh, just to start, just because it's called Ryan's Rants and Raves, is there anything that excites you or irks you right now in the industry? Wow, there's a lot of rants, a lot of irks, unfortunately, (laughs) more than the raves. But um, it's not necessarily the industry. I think it's a little hard sometimes to focus on fashion when the world seems to be falling apart fast and furiously. So what really depresses me these days, I'm kind of angry at the universe, is that we're being hit with number one, COVID, number two, the economy and falling apart and unemployment at record levels. And then on top of everything, the protesting, which is a good thing because It will, I know it will initiate change. So I'm happy about that. But it's unfortunately accompanied by some looting, which is a separate group of people, but still problematic. And there's just a lot of sadness, I think, and people going into depression. So that's my major rant. I wish I could do something about this triple whammy just when we thought it couldn't get worse, it's gotten worse, and the retailers are really suffering. I it's agree with worse, you. It's worse than you read, Ryan. I, I know people tell me, well, we're doing about half of what we should be doing, and we're happy with that. And those are the people who want to go on record. The people who talk to me off the record, um, their business is much worse than that, and that has me worried. But let me give you some raves. Um, some good things. Oh no, let me give you a couple more bad things. Very fast. <laughs> I'm sad that that people are that men are not dressing up. I understand we're all stuck at home. We're all wearing sweatpants and t-shirts and sneakers. But I miss looking at guys in beautiful sport coats and nice suits. And I just think it's a a much sexier look. And everyone is looking very schlumpy and gruffy. And yep. and and that's putting me in a bad mood. And um, I guess the other thing, and then I'm done, is that so many brands are going direct to consumer. I totally understand it had to happen, um, but these poor retailers who have spent years and years building brands in their stores, and now they're competing with their own vendors, it makes the business much more difficult. And I'm done complaining. It's really been a triple effect in the world with COVID. With everything else on top of that, it's it's going to be tough for many of those to survive. However, I, I do think when and this catastrophe happens, that creates innovation, which you know made me think of you know you did an article earlier this year before COVID about um, you know the stores that have been around for a hundred years, you know the century survivors. You have you you know I guess from that, would you like to chat about the stores that you spoke with? Yes, I I had so much fun. I I truly enjoyed this project. I 
I love my work, so I like most of what I write, but this was so interesting. Um, we only came up with, in all of the United States, about 40 spe independent specialty stores that have been around for 100 or so years. I'm sure we missed some. In fact, after the article came out, of course, I learned of <laughs> more. But um, they, you know, this is fourth generation, fifth generation. Some of the stores have roots going back to the Civil War. So it was just so interesting to hear. I'll give you one example. One of the stores in Pennsylvania um, told me about his great grandfather. Or maybe it was his grandfather. No, it was his grandfather who took over the store in 1929 during the Depression. And he, to make money because they weren't selling any clothes, he cut hair, he pulled teeth for 50 cents a tooth, and he wow. kept the lights turned off until a customer knocked on the door or walked in, and then he turned the lights on just to save money. So when we start thinking things are bad here, I like to look back on, on those days and what these stores have endured. They had all of them wonderful, wonderful stories, and some were super modern luxury, beautiful upscale stores, and some were mom and pop kind of old fashioned stores, but they all focused on customer service and quality and friendship, and they all did a great job, obviously, because they survived. Yep. Well, it speaks about the power of innovating and adapting, and that's what the store did. Have you come across any current retailers or designers that are doing anything very innovative or exciting that you've seen? Yes, the retailers in particular are being very, very creative and implementing ideas that I never would have thought of. The obvious ones are, first of all, are all the safety precautions that retailers need to take now. They're all giving out masks and selling fashion masks has become a big business. And I'm so proud of all the manufacturers who have turned their factories into making um, masks and gloves and gowns for the medical communities. So that, that's a beautiful thing about our industry. And um, retailers are coming up with things like style boxes. When Even when their stores were closed, they put together outfits for their customers. And obviously, the good stores know their customers' taste levels. So they pick things for them and sent out a box. And for a $2,000 box of clothes, the average is they're keeping a third to a half and sending back the rest, but that's, that's not bad. Yeah. And they're selling gift cards. Their one store this past weekend had a fashion show in their parking lot because people are still afraid of congregating. So they reserved spots in a huge parking lot. They stayed in their cars and the model paraded up and down the, the models in their Father's Day outfits paraded up and down the parking lot and it was a huge success. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so they're coming, they're, they're being creative. They're looking at, at it as an opportunity, not an obstacle. And um, some of them are hanging in. I don't, can't say business is booming, but some of them are going to be okay. I, I do think, you know, it's really important that they all know their customer. And that's what will help the small specialty retailers as opposed to um, the majors. Not that the majors do not know their customer, but it's the relationship that these specialty retailers have with their community. And I think that will allow them. Yes. To and I think I, this. I agree a hundred percent, Ryan. And I think that there's more of a appreciation for shop local 
um, now than there ever has been. And the department stores, even the ones in your backyard are, are not local stores. It's very, very different. Also, I don't know that customers are feeling that secure in a big store. I think they'd rather be in a small store where the traffic is controlled and, and they just feel more comfortable. But um, I, you know, that we'll, we'll always have department stores. They're not going away. A few of them look a little shaky now, but if they cut back on their doors and get to a more reasonable number, I think some of them will be fine. I, I think so too. I, it's just reevaluating where they are. And I think COVID has pushed the industry five years forward of where it was supposed to be, you know, five years ago. And that makes me think of the future of trade shows. How do you see trade shows occurring? Um, I just got off the phone actually with the Dallas show people and their show is mid-August um, and Chicago has canceled. So Dallas could be the big August show if people are ready to go and who knows. A lot of brands are going to approach their customers digitally. They've figured out Techno, uh, technology that, that allows them to show the collection by appointment with their key brands or else they can video it and send the video to their customers if it's not live. The problem, of course, is that it's not just about shopping lines. When you go to a trade show, it's, it's the energy and the camaraderie and the yeah. talking to your colleagues and sharing ideas and, and that's hard to duplicate electronically. So it'll be interesting to see if it works. But um, Pichiwomo is canceled for this season. And yeah. just people are putting safety first. And I think that's probably wise. I think it's going to be hard, even just for new collections, because, you know, so much of the touch and the feel is very important. Yeah. For a buyer to see, you know, for a buyer to even for a collection that buyers been buying for ages, you know, to get that online, it's it's not the same. Um, uh, they are going to be sending around swatches, Ryan. From what they tell me, if it's, oh, good. it's a digital presentation, and then they'll send the store swatches, even from Italy. The Italian guys are talking about doing that, so it's they're changing with the times. But once again, I will personally miss that energy. I to me. For me, it was more about the people and, and connecting with the people. You can look at product in other ways. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Fingers crossed that it will resolve itself. And what you did mention, the energy is important. It's, it's a time where you could see so many people at one time, where it's right. very difficult to see those around the country at the same time or meet someone that you never knew existed in an industry that could provide a tremendous amount of value. Also so much um, personality involved in our business so that if you're face to face with a new designer and it's a young enthusiastic person and they have so much passion for what they've created and you catch that energy because you're next to him and talking to him and that, that might be hard to do electronically, but maybe not, maybe they'll figure it out. Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> I, since, you know, I do work for the Quebec government, you know, I have to mention, ask one question, you know, about Quebec or Montreal, but I thought to ask about recently you wrote, wrote about Peerless 
and about how Peerless recently donated uh, some clothes. Um, if you could share a little bit more about that, that'd be amazing. Yeah, they're an amazing company. And as you know, they are based in Montreal with a huge New York office. And they sell every store in America, virtually every menswear store in America, from the big giant department stores to the specialty stores. And they have the license for almost every famous brand. So they are an amazing company. They just donated, I think it was a million dollars in suits to um, community colleges and for underprivileged youth who are getting started in the workforce or hoping to go on job interviews. And the part that I don't think the article mentioned is they're also planning to send their people into these community colleges and talk about how to prepare for a job interview and how to dress up in a suit. And I, I just think it's wonderful that they're doing that. It, it is one of my favorite Montreal companies, but there's still a lot of wonderful suit making done in Quebec. And we're very grateful for that because there's virtually none left here. So yep. I'm, I'm glad that, that we've got, Jack Victor is based in, in Montreal and um, Samuelson, which yep. makes a beautiful, beautiful product. And a lot of even knitwear companies, I'm thinking of Patrick Asaroff and Robert Barraquette and, um, you know, just a lot of talent. But the real thing when I think of Quebec fashion is a sophistication and a style and a, a, a certain flair that we tend to lack in the States. I, I can always tell if a guy is from Canada or, or Europe versus American, <laughs> how he wears his clothes. It's, it's um, obvious. And so thank you for the inspiration. We need that. Well, and I would say, especially now, given the fact, as you mentioned earlier, that there's more and more of us who are just casual wearing shorts <laughs> instead of taking the extra mile. Casual is a good thing, Ryan. I think, you know, I don't know that the world is going to get back to wearing shouldered garments, you know, suits with a, a kind of stiff look. I think it's all gone softer. And what I don't think the American consumer understands yet is that a sport coat, a tailored garment can actually be very, very comfortable. They're making them now in such beautiful lightweight fabrics, totally unlined with virtually no shoulder. And it's a work of art, how they construct it. If you go to one of your beautiful factories and watch it, I'm always in awe when I view the production of these garments. And if there's just a way we can market it better and get these young guys to see how much better they look in a sport coat than in a sweatshirt and, you know, but who knows? We've been, we've been trying and, and I think it'll happen. I think there will be some pent up demand to dress up again after being schlumpy for so many months. Right. Uh, I think though with Peerless, it, it's, it's an initiative that in my opinion, it shows, it's a brand that's, you know, seeing what's happening in the world today and going above and beyond because by actually going to the communities and partnering with the, the, the community colleges, they're going to make a difference within that area. Yeah. They, uh, they have always been a very altruistic organization. Alvin Siegel, who is the chairman, has, you know, donated, he never says no. He has donated to so many wonderful causes and Ron Wurtzberger follows in his footsteps and has been very, very involved in, in all kinds of charities. So 
I, I admire them so much. So I was not surprised to get their latest press release. It's what they do. It's who they are. Um, and that leads me, Ryan, I was thinking about this. One of the things that's so different about business today after this whole um, Black Lives Matter and every, everything that we're going through with social justice and police reform and this whole movement is that I think manufacturers have to start thinking about who they are beyond a maker of clothing. Yeah. You know, it has to be, they need a mission statement. They need values that reflect something bigger than just clothes. And the ones who do that are likely to be more successful. Of course, there should be some authenticity to it. It's one thing to say it, another thing to do it. But the ones who do it will reap the re rewards. Yeah. And I, I agree with you um, because it's easy for brands now to do the black square on Instagram to show that they're in solidarity, you know, right. with Black Lives Matter. But it's another thing to actually put that into practice and in how your your company actually works. And I think that's that's leads me back to Peerless because that shows that they're, you know, they're not just saying that they they see the problem in society. And that, but it's showing that they're acting and want to make a physical change in that and, you know, transform those communities. Right. I think a but, lot of retailers are also um, tr trying to find some causes that make sense for them to support, that there's some kind of tie-in between who they are as clothing retailers and how they can help various organizations. And, you know, whether it's a suit trade-in type thing where you bring in an, an old suit and then those are do donated, a gently worn suit, I should yes. say, and those are donated, or whether they're just helping various community organizations. I think, I think it matters today. It was always a lovely thing to do, but now I think it's something the consumer is actually seeking out and, and it will help tremendously create that emotional connection with your customers. Speaking of majors, they have such a large platform and voice you know, to do some endeavors. Um, Maison Simons recently, and they're a large department store in Canada, right. they recently did um, a large collective of brands that were founded by First Nations. So by Native Americans, um, Canadians call them First Nations. And I think that's a great you know, effort to not only put spotlight, but also show that the talent that exists there. That's wonderful. I think Hudson Bay has also done some stuff like that. Yep. And I know that Harry Rosen, although I can't be specific in terms of their organizations that they support, but I know they are incredibly generous. They are always doing some kind of charity event and giving, 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 and it, it comes back to them, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, for my last question, I think it's good to end on a light note there, but for my last question is, do you have any advice to, you know, any brands or retailers um, in this current situation? I've, I think we've mentioned some ideas, but um, if you have any other, anything else to add. Yes, a couple of things. I think um, they should re-examine their mission statement and revise it, make it relevant, make it bigger than just clothing. So that would be number one. Um, I have a feeling that emphasizing quality and value over fast fashion 
might be the way to go. I mean, there'll always be a customer for fast fashion, but with this preoccupation now with sustainability and we all have too many clothes, nobody needs anything, um, too many deliveries, the stores have too many seasons. I, I think to just slow it down and focus on quality is a really good idea. Um, I think brands are going to have to re-examine their sourcing, which many of them are doing. Um, and I recommend to both retailers and brands to make it fun. I think we're, we've been in such a serious mindset, certainly for the past five months. And I think any kind of upbeat, light venture that they can come up with would be so greatly appreciated. Like this silly parking lot fashion show, which ended up being so much. I just watched it on, on Zoom, but it was funny and, and the salespeople were all there dressed up and strutting down the runway. You know, it, just make it fun. We all need, we all need to, to a little levity in these very difficult times. It brings the light out of the tunnel. Well, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, Karen, um, and always brings a smile to my face, even though you can't see it now. Um, so on that, you know, thank I, you. I look forward to seeing you in Montreal. That is my <laughs> dream when I start traveling again to come and take a visit, not just for the fabulous clothes, but for the fabulous restaurants and just the culture and the art and the design and all the wonderful things that Montreal has to offer. I hope to be there soon. 